encouraging things. So here's the stats if a person does not step in, a loving person does not step in. Upwards of 70% of our incarcerated here in the United States came from foster care. 50% of our homeless population came from foster care, and up to 60% of our human trafficking victims came from foster care. So those are pretty staggering statistics, but here's a really encouraging statistic. If one family or one person, you can be a single parent and you can foster. You don't have to be married. You don't have to be anything but willing. You can get licensed. And if one person out of every three churches, and that's just given the, the Christian church, so you add in synagogues. If it's one person out of every three churches were to, to rise up and say, you know what, I'll become a foster parent, then you would have no more children waiting in foster care for placement. And you would have thousands of homes already open available for the next call. It's grand to be back with you. That was the voice of actress Jen Lilly speaking to me about a subject that impacts a very large proportion of our population here in the US and worldwide. Foster care. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. There are more than 400,000 children living in foster care in the United States today. Now, it's a good time to talk about foster care. May in the U.S. is National Foster Care Month. And Jen Lilly, the actress who has become the face of the Hallmark Channel, is also the leading celebrity foster care advocate in the United States. Jen has always played the character of Theresa Donovan on NBC's soap opera Days of Our Lives with aplomb. She and her husband Jason are parents of two sons through foster care. In a wide-ranging interview, Jen talked to me about the need for reform in a system that has done so much good work otherwise, positive work, to make better lives for so many foster children. But reforms are apparently needed and urgent. And in the midst of this coronavirus shutdown, the stresses and strains in some foster care homes is painful to report. At the same time as new placements for foster care has temporarily shut down. Jen Lilly says mothers who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy have many positive alternatives for that child. There's the safe surrender program she mentioned to me and she offered her personal email address for any mom in this difficult situation seeking Jen's help. And you can also email burndesk, B-Y-R-N-E-D-E-S-K, at gmail.com. That's our email address for the podcast for information, and we'll do our best to respond. Welcome to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. Jen Lilly is partnering with the foundation Project Orphans to establish a neighborhood here in the U.S. to give orphans and children in foster care safe and loving homes on the eve of a big campaign that started May 1. I spoke to Jen about its role in raising awareness and money 
for Project Orphans as Jen launched the Voices That Give contest. This is a fabulous opportunity to give creators from virtually all walks of life, including singers and actors, a chance to win the grand prize of $10,000, a walk-on role on Hallmark Channel's hit serious When Hope Calls, and much more. Jen Lilly also launched her new weekly podcast, Fostering Hope, and Jen is also a singer and songwriter with her debut album, Lilly. I first asked Jen Lilly how the coronavirus shutdown is impacting her family and her work. A voyage of discovery in an uncommon age of unparalleled scientific, economic, political, and social upheaval, life on planet Earth searches for the unvarnished truth, answers, solutions, and above all, hope for our existential crisis. Wow. Um, Well, it's a particularly busy time for me right now because I have three kids at home. Well, actually four. One is a 21-year-old who aged out of foster care, um, and we've been very happy to have her. She needs time, and she needs attention, which is great. Um, But then I have the three little, so I have an eight-month-old, just turned two, and an almost four-year-old. So balancing that and then also trying to advocate for foster kids via my podcast right now, seeing all of the the complications that are arising regarding foster care and child abuse here in the U.S. and really worldwide because of COVID-19, and then trying to plan a very upbeat and optimistic way to solve that uh, with my album release has kept me pretty busy. How did you get drawn to foster care? What was your inspiration? We know uh, growing up, my parents were informal foster parents, and what I mean by that is that they were never um, officially licensed as foster parents, because my dad was a judge at the time. You know, my parents have since retired. My mom was a director of a women and children's charity. And so in foster care, you want to remain unbiased. And while they are unbiased, and I think they do a great job of loving everyone well, that can become legally complicated. You could say that there were favors if they ruled against the birth parent or something like that. So they were never officially licensed foster parents. However, growing up, we always but not always, a lot, like 50% of the time in my childhood, we had somebody living with us, you know, who was outside of our family. So I was already familiar with the idea and I definitely planted a seed in me at an early age. And then back in 2011, I was trying to be, you know, an adult. I was trying to be a responsible adult and like watch news and things like that. And like a lot of us, especially these days, um, I felt really overwhelmed by the news. And I, I very small, like I couldn't do anything. And I, I don't know about anybody else, but, you know, I want to change the world and I want to make a positive impact. So the smaller and smaller you feel, sometimes you just want to go quit and take a nap. <laughs> I just like, I can't, like I'm so insignificant. thought, that's not true. Every single person, every single person can do small acts of love and they have a ripple effect and they make a profound impact in people's lives. So I started evaluating what I would have control over. You know, where could I lend my voice? What could I do? And I really learned about the child abuse epidemic here in the United States. And, you know, child abuse exists worldwide. So many of us don't think about it happening here. Shocking that it happens here and it happens rampantly, you know, I mean, I've heard one out of every five kids in your child's classroom is being abused. So it's definitely an issue. That's a shocking statistic about abuse. Yes. 
it's an absolutely shocking statistic. And it's true. And and the problem is, is that whenever there's a stressful situation, and I would say that COVID-19 is a pretty stressful situation for everyone, mm. you know, it really is impacting everyone in some capacity. You see child abuse rise because it's stressful and during the COVID crisis, we're seeing a rise. We're seeing unprecedented numbers. Um, the National Child Abuse Hotline, 1-800, the number 4-A-CHILD, they have now implemented text, and um, you can email them, you can call in. It's available 24-7, 365, in 170 languages. They're getting overwhelmed. They've never seen this amount of reports of child abuse. Children who often had school as their safe place are stuck at home with their abusers. So there's an incredible rise, and then you have complications because there's social distancing, and so social workers are trying to figure out ways to streamline and get the kids out of there or keep the family intact and maybe give that parent some sort of therapy. But there's that. And then there's also, unfortunately, and this is the saddest to me, is that really great foster homes like my own, where you do have people that are in it for the right reasons, you do have people that want to care for children, they're no longer taking in any new placements right now because they're so afraid of contracting the virus. So it's definitely a really system. I think that they are actually the hardest hit demographic children in this country, well, worldwide. And so, but they're a forgotten demographic. I'm really excited about my upcoming album launch. And I think that it's really just so apropos for this time. Now you had two sons via foster care. That's right. Also, you were awarded the National Educators Award for your tireless work in Guatemala. And you are known for advocating children's rights and actively support foundations that focus on protecting children against physical and sexual abuse, human trafficking, and so on. Yeah. So you're completely all into this. Yeah, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. If I can be a voice for the voiceless, I will. And one of the reasons I'm actually so passionate about it is because my previous publicist from 2011, not my wonderful publicist now, I actually fired this publicist over it. When I got involved with talking about child abuse and human trafficking, she actually pulled me aside and was like, you absolutely cannot talk about this as a celebrity. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And she said, nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Like, nobody wants to hear about it. You cannot lend your voice to this. And I was like, okay, so that's exactly why I'm going to get real passionate about it, because that's a problem. If you're telling me, like, I can't give it sunlight, that that means that other people aren't giving it sunlight. So I was like, let's, let's like, bring it out in the open. But there's so many positive statistics that go in with it. You can focus on those. It makes it a lot more palpable for people and a lot more encouraging, which is what I always try to do. Now, you have a couple of very high-profile initiatives. You're involved with this grand prize of 10000 It will be offered to someone in the creative arts. on the Or not. Or they can be under unique and hidden talent. Yeah, let's talk about the competition. So tell us about that. Okay, so I'm super excited. It's it's amazing because I've been working on this online competition for months now, you know, way before COVID-19 and coronavirus happened. So it's exciting that I feel like things actually are lining up. I was originally going to launch it in April, and then I was just kind of, I took the month of April to just really analyze what's going on with COVID-19 and, you know, figure out, like, is this something that people are still going to want to do? And I think it's more time appropriate than ever before. So I'm excited about it. Okay, so I'm launching this, basically this online talent search. And it's called Voices That Give. 
And 100% of my share of the profits will go toward building Project Orphans USA, which is a neighborhood model here in the United States to give orphans and children in foster care safe, loving, and stable homes. So all of the parents in those homes will be focused on family reunification, coming alongside the bio family of the birth family of the children and loving them well. But when reunification is not possible, we're absolutely willing to stick by those children, love them well, and call them their own and adopt them. So what we're doing with Voices That Give is it's an online talent search, and it's kind of, it's going to be really fun. It's like America's Got Talent, but it's worldwide. There's five categories free to enter, vision, actor, dancer, unique or hidden talent, which is where everyone comes in, and Hallmark fan, because as you mentioned briefly, I, you know, I'm one of the stars of Hallmark Channel, so I wanted to give those fans a particularly fun category. And um, it was burst out of the idea that when I began recording my music and, and just delving into music, I wanted, I had this idea and this dream in my heart to be like the Tom Shoes of music, but even more intense, where 100% of my profit goes toward helping children in foster care, always. And so if you listen to my music, you're giving to children in need. Very simple. So how the competition set up, you can enter for free in any category. And that's based on the fact that I really believe every single person on earth, no matter what race, religion, background, age, whatever, they were created on purpose and for a purpose with unique talents and gifts. So you might not think you have a talent, but if you're one of those people that's like, I can, I am the worst singer in the whole wide world. Great. I want to see it. Is that your talent? Fine. You can rally people to vote for you. And so they're going to sign up under these categories, the grand prize based on public voting. So you're going to recruit your friends and family to vote for you. And it's going to be awesome and it's going to be fun. And it'll probably help us with our boredom right now. You upload a video, you say what it would mean to you to win the $10,000. They also get national press coverage if they win. And then they get career-specific prizes. Like the Hallmark fan gets to be in a Hallmark movie with me. And they also get to tour the set of Home and Family. And the musician gets radio airtime in 44 countries worldwide. So That's a lot of exposure. um, Yeah, huge exposure. And so it's great if they want to be, you know, if, if it's a talent search and somebody wants to submit their talent, it's a great time to really make your dreams become a reality when we're all so depressed, you know. And, mm. it's, and at the same time, 100% of my profits are going to go toward building this, you know, neighborhood for kids that's really going to take care of the ones that are forgotten about. And how we're raising money is so you can get your mom, dad, your friend, your neighbor, you know, your brother to vote for you. And everyone gets one free vote. Now, if if your mom is like, well, I really want you to win, then she can donate $10. And by donating that $10, you get 10 votes. Oh. She gets my album, which is a great, you know, like that's the cost of my album. She gets my album. And then she also has the positivity of knowing that she's helping kids in need. Right? So it's really fun. And I'm really excited about it. It rolls out May 1st. And anyone can enter. So it's the hashtag is Voices That Give. Is there a website? Where do people learn more about this? So the website's not live yet. Um, it will be on May 1st. So in the meantime, if they want more info, they can go to jenlily, J-E-N-L-I-L-L-E-Y dot com. Great. So tell us about the foundation, Project Orphan. They want to establish a neighborhood here in the U.S., and now yeah. this is an international group, so this will be something new. Project Orphans is an incredible charity that exists to help vulnerable children, teen moms, widows, vulnerable women, victims of human trafficking. They do so many amazing programs over in Uganda, Africa, and they have done an exceptional job. Um, the founders, Christina and Brittany, 
they have built a hospital and a maternity ward and a school and a church, and they they just take care of all these children. They're doing an incredible job. They know how to do all of the government, you know, red tape and how to get grants and all of that. So I had partnered with them when I did my release, King of Hearts, back in uh, the fall of 2018. And we were able to give one of their kids named John um, life-saving heart surgery, which was awesome. Um, so I, I started talking to Brittany because she's also a foster and adoptive parent here in the United States. And she and I have the same dream of basically implementing what they've done in Uganda, but doing it here in the United States. And so she and I have been working on it for two years, trying to dream big, figure out, like, what do you need to build, you know, a neighborhood other than money? What are what are the grants you need to write? What is, like, the nauseating paperwork? What's the architecture? Like, what are the licensing issues? So all of that boring stuff <laughs> we've been working on for two years, and we I decided to come under their umbrella because I do – want people to feel confident that when they're buying my music or, you know, donating to the cause that they can look at a track record of a charity that's existed for a while so that they, they, they really know that this is a real thing that's going to happen and it's and nobody's lining their pockets. You know, it's legit. They can look at their tax records. They're incredible. And I just, I, I want people to feel confident because there are so many charities that unfortunately are shells and they're not they're not what they say they are, and it makes my blood boil. And so I'm very excited to partner with them. It's such an honor because they're just so flawless and just incredible in what they do. And so I'm really, really excited about it. So that's Project Orphans. Now, uh, for listeners, mm-hmm. there is a difference clearly between foster care and adoption. How is one related to the other, and what's the goals of both? That's a wonderful question. Okay, so foster care, there's so many misconceptions here in the United States. Children arrive in foster care, which is a, is a very broken system that I'm working on fixing, and where these children, they're anywhere from zero, like literally one day at the hospital, they've been left, up to 18 years old, some states 21, who have found themselves in a broken system through no fault of their own, but because they have experienced severe abuse and neglect to the point where the government had to step in. And so the goal of foster care is to put that child back with their birth family whenever is possible. So you want to keep the family, the blood family intact. Um, and what that can look like is coming alongside the birth parents, give, giving them the therapy they need, the tools they need, the classes that they need, and just making sure that they really are equipped to be the parents that, that we need them to be. And then when that's not possible, because a lot of times these parents don't get it together you know they unfortunately they are still addicted to drugs or they walk away or they just don't get it together then that child becomes eligible for adoption and so then the goal of a good foster home would be to give that child safe loving stable permanency in in adoption with all the problems with broken families not just in america but around the world the numbers must be huge they're huge yeah they're really staggering um, but you know what? Here's the encouraging thing. So here's the stats if a person does not step in, a loving person does not step in. Upwards of 70% of our incarcerated here in the United States came from foster care. 50% of our homeless population came from foster care. And up to 60% of our human trafficking victims came from foster care. So those are pretty staggering statistics. But here's a really encouraging statistic because I always love to give people a positive thing. You know, numbers can be so numbing, but when you break it down and you make um, it personal and you make this about one child, right? If one family or one person, you can be a single parent and you can foster. You don't have to be married. You don't have to be anything but willing. You can get licensed 
And if one person out of every three churches, and that's just given the, the Christian church. So you add in synagogues, you add in all these one, one, or any wonderful person, right? If it's one person out of every three churches were to, to rise up and say, you know what, I'll become a foster parent, then you would have no more children waiting in foster care for placement. And you would have thousands of homes already open available for the next call. So it's really, I think it's really encouraging because that's like one person out of the 750. You know, that's a number that you can grasp. That makes it feel like the solution to this could be within reach. It's exciting. It's very inspirational. Now, what about mothers in crisis pregnancies who are looking mm-hmm. at some terrible alternatives? Foster care adoption would seem to be a grave way for them to move. Yeah. So, I mean, and they don't even, if they're in a crisis pregnancy, so they want to have the baby, but they don't want to parent the baby. There are, first of all, and I and I think it's in most, 50, it's almost all 50 states now. There's a wonderful program that um, I'm on the board of this charity that's called ICANN, which is the Interagency Council Against Child Abuse and Neglect. And they have made it a law, I believe in all 50 states, where it's called the Safe Surrender Program. So if the mom didn't prepare, she finds herself having had a baby, whether it's in the hospital or not. She can safely surrender that baby at any hospital or fire department and walk away, and the law will not discriminate against that mom. And that child will be placed up for adoption. Now, otherwise, if she's pregnant, she can. There's so many wonderful organizations that if she she doesn't know whether she wants to keep the baby or not, she can take parenting classes. And there are wonderful organizations that will come alongside that mom and help her in her parenting journey if she does want to keep the baby. And then, otherwise, she can. Uh, put the baby up for adoption, she doesn't have to wait for foster care. So that's what I would always recommend is don't wait for foster care. You know, the government makes a terrible parent. And I will even go so far as to say that if, you know, someone is listening and they find themselves pregnant and they don't feel like they have an option, they can personally email me at J-E-N, Jen, at Jen Lily, J-E-N, Lily, L-I-L-L-E-Y.com. Email me. I will set you up. This is terrific. Now, are there other celebrities like you with this same mindset? Because this is so refreshing. Thank you. Um, I don't know. Well, Uh, maybe after they listen to this, more of them will step forward, we hope. If I had to guess, I would say that probably um, other Hallmark stars, Lacey Chabert and Candace Cameron Bure, are probably on the same page as me. Well, God bless them. I can only speak for myself. Yeah. After the break, Hallmark's Jen Lilly will talk to me with good humour about her growing up as a child, her new podcast, Fostering Hope, her new album, and she'll tell us what's in store for her next at Hallmark. Why are 20 veterans a day taking their own lives? In this new gripping, brutally honest memoir, Iraq War veteran Tom Voss reveals the answer and an unexpected solution to the veteran suicide epidemic. Driven to the brink of suicide by the moral injury of war, Voss walked 2,700 miles across America in search of healing. What he found was something medication and talk therapy couldn't give him, relief from the guilt, shame, and sorrow that had been torturing him for years. A relief that came in the most unexpected form, meditation and sacred breathing techniques that shattered his understanding of war and himself. Dr. David Shulkin, Ninth Secretary of the VA, says where war ends will inspire countless others, leaving them with a sense of purpose and hope. Brian Kinsella of Stop Soldier Suicide calls where war ends a captivating personal journey written with a compelling urgency. For veterans, their families, and anyone suffering from trauma, 
Where War Ends offers an antidote to the moral injury epidemic. Get your copy today on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, IndieBound, or ask for it at your favorite library or independent bookstore. They were strict. They were also um, they were flexible. So my parents just required transparency um, and trust. And so I was given a lot of responsibility at an early age, you know, with chores. Like, I mean, my friends used to call me Cinderella because I would have to scrub the baseboards. It's like, that's not a normal thing for an eight-year-old to be doing, I suppose, you know, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but, but my mom like taught us how to cook at seven and my parents really, and it's the same way I try to raise my children. Um, my parents raised us to be successful on our own. And I think that's the goal of parenting is raise a responsible child who is going to be able to thrive without you because at some point they do need to leave the nest and you want to like prepare them for life the best that you possibly can. So they were, I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things, especially as a girl. Um, and that's not because my parents are sexist or not. My mom was the first woman in the United States to join a fraternity. Okay. Like she petitioned the Senate. My mom is a beast. Um, so she, they're very pro women. But they're also very aware of human trafficking, and they're also very aware of I'm not strong. So they sheltered me a lot, whereas I thought my older brother got to go to Europe as a teenager and, like, all these things. that I was like, that is so unfair. But mm. I wasn't allowed to spend the night at friends' houses unless my parents knew them. And I didn't understand that until I was an adult. And then my parents, I'm going to have the same rule with my kids. My dad, when I found out as an adult, was like I had like three friends I could spend the night at their house. And I was always allowed to have friends spend the night at my house. And my mom would make a go of it. Like she would make pancakes and like we would have slumber parties and like s'mores and they would do all these fun things. But like people were just, they'd get tired, you know, because like, why do you always have to be at your house? I found out as an adult, my dad would be like, that's because I saw their parents in my courtroom. Like I knew what was going mm, on. Like, I wasn't allowed so he had real life experience. Yeah, so he'd be like, this, you know, this parent is a drunk driver, and, like, this parent's domestic violence, and, like, I'm not going to tell you that when you're a child, but, like, I'm not going to allow you to be exposed to that. So it was like, my parents were very protective, but as an adult, I really appreciate it, and I think they did a great job. Where is home for you, DCs? Well, I live in Los Angeles, but my, um, which actually makes up 10% of the kids in foster care. One city, 10%. It's shameful. So I'm trying to change that statistic. So I live in L.A. and love it. Um, my my family's from Virginia. Right, because you have to be close to the studios for your recordings and your yeah. hallmark assignments. Mm-hmm. So you have a new weekly podcast, Fostering Hope, which aims yeah. to help normalize and support adoptive families of all types. Tell us about that. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, yes, it's called Fostering Hope, and the goal is to just demystify the whole foster care process for anyone who doesn't know what it is. It's to make it less scary, to give them information. I find that information always makes things less scary. And so it's to inform people who don't know about it. It's to equip people who want to do something about it, to feel like they know what, how to, you know, get involved, give them tools. And then it's to inspire people who are already in the deep trenches of foster care to keep going because foster care burnout is a real thing, whether you're a foster parent or you're a social worker or a therapist or a police officer. If you're involved in foster care, you know, it's heartbreaking and, and you and you do experience burnout because sometimes you feel like, you know, you're not making a difference. And I want to really just give those people so much inspiration and just feel like they're not alone, give them a sense of community. So I'm really excited about it. It airs every Monday and we just have incredible guests. Like I, my first guests were the founders of Child Help. Okay. These women still work. They're in their 80s. They don't even take a salary. They work over 60 hours a week. They're in their 80s. They've rescued over 10 million U.S. children. Wow. Since they started their charity 60 years ago, and they've been nominated for eight Nobel Peace Prizes. 
so it's incredible. Like the guests that I have on, I'm just like, <laughs> I like real heroes. The biggest smile, you know. Every time I'm interviewing them, I can't believe like their mm. story, and it's incredible. And you have a new album coming out, Lily. It's out right now. So oh, it is out right now. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, one interesting thing I've always found on foster care, just switching here a little bit, the amount of very successful Americans who came through the foster care system. And I just wondered the connection there. It was amazing. Dave Thomas, for example, and I know yeah. you're active with the Dave Thomas Foundation, and he's just one of many. Tom Monahan of Domino's Pizza uh, became very wealthy. He went through the foster care system. I guess they must have learned something, were inspired to work very hard after they went into adulthood. Yeah, I would hope so. And, you know, I do find that to be pretty common, actually, especially with the teens who are in foster care. So many people don't want to foster teenagers because teenagers are scary. I don't care whether they're from foster care or not. You know, it's scary. It's like, ah, I don't know what you're thinking. You know, I'm. we have a 21-year-old right now, and I'm um, only in my 30s. So it's like, you know, I forget. Like, I forget what it's like to be 21. And so even that's scary, but she's super sweet, you know. But, like, these teens are just like other teens, but a lot of them are extremely hard workers. I was just speaking to the founder of James Storehouse for my podcast, and she works with a lot of transitional age youth, so teenagers, and they're they're harder to place. And she was saying she had one teenager that they ended up giving her a bicycle and then later a car when she was ready for that responsibility because she was waking up at 4 a.m. before the sun to walk two hours from, yeah, Simi Valley to Moore Park. She would walk two hours in the dark to work, just to get to work, and then she would walk an extra 45 minutes to put herself through college. I mean, so it's pretty incredible. And that's what, like, I want to tell people. That's the message I want to give people is, like, you're not, these are not juvenile delinquents. They they will be. 70% of our criminals do come from foster care if they're not loved. Let's turn to Hallmark. You have a lot of fans on Hallmark. What can we expect going forward? Well, right now, as most people know, um, production, unfortunately, is just shut down until further notice. And I, I've i heard bleak statistics that it might even be, like, not till 2021. And that's because you have so many people on the crew, right? So there's, like, more than 50 people in the room at one time when you're making a movie. So I don't know when we'll be back. I know I have at least two movies coming up with them. I've got some movies in the works that I'm producing with them, which is exciting. But the most recent, you know, thing that I'm doing with them is for the competition. They're so incredible. They're allowing me to give a walk-on role to one of the actors, whoever wins the acting category in my Voices That Gives competition, and a walk-on role to the Hallmark fan category, as well as touring the set of um, Home and Family with me. So right now they're just partnering with me for Voices That Gives and Voices That Give, and I'm so just grateful to them because they're an incredible network and their fans are incredible. That is just beautiful, and that's the hit series on Hallmark, When Hope Calls. That is yep. fantastic. Hey, Jen Lilly, I'd love to stay in touch and catch up with you again, and God bless I'm all your work. Yeah. Good luck. How are you coping with this coronavirus? Overall, well, I mean, we have a yard now, which has been incredibly helpful. If I was still in my little two-bedroom apartment, um, I would die, yeah. you know, with like really rambunctious toddlers and a baby and a 21-year-old. But, uh, but you know, so we're trying to make the most of it. I mean, today my kids were wild, and, and that's to be expected. Like, sometimes you just, anybody that has kids knows that 
most days your kids will be really well behaved and then every once in a while it's like <laughs> yeah. hell is working again. Yeah, I know all about <laughs> it. I know all about it. You. So, you know, today's been one of those days, but it's exciting because I can talk to you during nap time and that always makes me feel more sane when I get to have some time to talk to another adult. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. You've been listening to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. To reach the host or learn about advertising or sponsorship opportunities, call 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. That's 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com.